Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And welcome into another edition of another Carolina podcast. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark coming at you live from the 107.5 The Game studios. And normally you would hear the voice of Pearson Fowler here, but Pearson got some other stuff to, to handle today, I guess you'd say. So, Chris and I are, are going solo, um, trying not to burn the place down. We've got a lot of buttons and sliders in front of us, Chris. Uh, at least two mouses. Are, are they mouses or mice when they're mice? They're, they're mice? Yep. Even even when it's not mm-hmm. the animal? Not an animal. Yeah, it's mice. Um, okay. You sound confident in that, so I'm going to go not. with it. <laughs> um, about three monitors. A lot of other equipment, so we're going to do our best here. But, uh, yeah, glad to be back. We're going to try to do these every single week. Um, recording on Friday this week, and normally it's just going to depend on our schedules and what's going on in Gamecock Nation. Of course, uh, Chris, National Signing Day Part 2 coming up on Wednesday. And, you know, it's been a little bit different the last two years now that you have the early signing period. Um, not the just complete nonstop chaos uh in part two that you often had in the past or that you had for part one, but uh, still a chance for South Carolina to get better. Um, obviously, uh, they already have a commitment since the early sign, signing period in Shiloh Sanders, who will sign on Wednesday, and looking at closing in on two other guys, um, namely Jaquez Sorrells, who is the four-star defensive tackle from Winter Park, Florida, and Chris Jamie Robinson from Lee County in Georgia. And uh, we now know that 
we now have times for those commitment ceremonies. Uh, Sorrell's going to be at uh, 1.30, he tweeted on Friday, and Jamie Robinson going to be at 2 o'clock, um, both on Wednesday, National Signing Day. And, uh, Chris, these are, these are two recruitments that have gone – uh, a long time, especially Jamie Robinson's, but look to be coming to a close. And it uh, seems like the Gamecocks are in pretty good shape here. Yeah, and the interesting thing about it, Wes, is at one point it looked like, um, you know, both of those guys could have made earlier decisions. You know, I remember mm-hmm. covering Jamie. We've covered him for a long time, and it looked at one point like, you know, there may be a, a spring or a summer decision, and it sort of got pushed back. And then it looked like, hey, considered signing in December and, and pushed that back as well. But I think he's he's finally tired of it, which is good because it's it's time to put pen to paper. Uh, but, yeah, I think South Carolina's got the longstanding relationships there. They've been on him the longest. There, there's a trust there. He's been to campus so many times, too many times to count, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Carolina's in good shape, too. With Sorrells, you know, he was a guy that, what was it, August, I believe, he was going to make a decision then as mm-hmm. well. and. Ended up pushing that back, wanted to go take some more visits. But uh, South Carolina's had him on campus a few times this year, had him on campus for an official visit as well, went to Penn State last weekend. Um, Alabama's going to be his final uh, trip before signing day. And and certainly that does give a, a little bit of an element of uncertainty, I think. Uh, I don't think it's a, you know, a done deal or anything of that nature. But um, I think South Carolina's in the best shape there too and just have to try to hang on and ride the wave until signing day on Wednesday. Yeah, I remember with Sorrells, um, you know, I think we, we being you and me, as far as covering uh, the class uh, this past summer, you know, we're probably focused on on a number of other guys, you know, potentially at, at defense on the defensive line. And then, um, you know, I think we got word, uh, hey, the Sorrells kid is at camp. And, uh, you know, four-star guy sort of popped up out of nowhere and I think had a great time there then. Uh, maybe was back on campus at, at some point and um, then obviously took his official visit earlier this year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think a kid, you look at the the offers like you're talking about, you know, Alabama um, going to bring him in this weekend, it appears. Penn State brought him in last weekend. Um, and, you know, I watched him at least on TV in the Under Armour All-American game, watching the film. Uh, to me, this kid, uh, first of all, you know, he's a four-star everywhere and he uh, – you know, he looked good in the game. And to me, he looks like a true defensive tackle. You know, they, they've had a number of guys they've brought in that, you know, are kind of swing guys, can can play outside, can play inside, you know, three technique or even, you know, play outside when they go to a three-man front and stuff like this. But looking at Swirls, or Swirls, I should say, he is a, uh, you know, he's still athletic for his size, but this is a true defensive tackle inside, like, you know, zero or one technique type player, I think, that South Carolina could land. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of versatility to him as well. And um, remember at one point, Wes, he was listed, I think he was listed at like 250, 260 pounds in the Rivals database. And mm-hmm. he, he put on a good bit of weight. I mean, we, we saw him uh, in good weight. You know, we saw him in the summer, as you mentioned. And um, he was a guy that looked, you know, 280, 290. And he's in that 290, 295 range now, I believe. So um, he, he's got the size that you look for. Very quick athletic player. I think he can be a disruptor, give you some interior pass rush. And so certainly a player that as South Carolina continues to retool that defensive line and, and build some depth and get and change the body types up front, I think he's just another piece of that puzzle that would be a really big get for them. Let's talk about Jamie, uh, ranked number 24 safety in the country on rivals, number 28 overall prospect in the state of Georgia. He is a uh, 5.8 four-star in the rivals system. And um, – you know, I think 
Auburn, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee are the official final four. Um, you know, I, I think that makes – if you look at how his recruitment sort of played out, I think um, for the longest time we knew South Carolina was going to be a finalist. We knew Kentucky was probably going to be a finalist. Um, Tennessee probably going to be a finalist. Auburn sort of came in a little bit late. Uh, you know, for the longest time it was sort of South Carolina and Georgia. I think you look back maybe – what, six months ago, um, as far as how it was playing out. Those were the two schools you heard the most. But um, no surprise that those are the Final Four. And, you know, just based on how it's all played out, um, I, I think almost almost all signs do sort of point to South Carolina here. I, I think with Sorrells, like you said, you still have a little bit of pause. You have to see how that visit goes this weekend to Alabama. Um, he was at Penn State last week. But with Jamie Robinson – I think it'd be a major shock if the Gamecocks don't land him. Yeah, I mean, long-standing relationships, been recruiting him, seems like forever. Uh, I mean, and that's how the recruiting cycle is. For You do seem to see some guys pop up late or see staff circle back to some to some guys or some prospects circle back with some late interest for a variety of reasons, but he's one that they've been consistently on for a long time. Um, you know, I remember the first time we saw him at Camp West, like, probably a couple well, mm-hmm. a couple summers ago. Yeah, and a guy that turned in a really good performance. So he can do a lot of things for you. Um, he's got corner coverage ability. Um, South Carolina likes him as a safety or a nickel, um, and he's a guy that has some physicality to him. He's not the tallest guy, but he's put together pretty well. He plays physically, plays pretty recklessly. Sort of fits in with what they like to do. So. Being that he has those coverage skills, he can go back there and, and play safety for you. He can go match up with guys in the slot at nickel. He can play corner if need be. And then as well, I think he brings some value on special teams as a as a returner or just a guy who can go play on your coverage units. Yeah, I remember us watching him. Um, God, that would have been maybe as what, like a rising junior, yep. I, I think. Okay, and, um, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, this guy is one of the better cover corners that we've seen in camp at the time um now i think he's gotten a little bit bigger since then gotten thicker and like you said he's a safety nickel type for south carolina but i I remember thinking you know with some of their depth issues in the secondary at the time i was like you know this this kid could maybe help south carolina this year you know as as a junior rising junior in high school but um yeah if if it comes through for them it'll be a big pickup um speaking of big pickup south carolina with a commitment um earlier this week from William Rogers, and uh, he, of course, will sign with South Carolina on Wednesday. But, um, you know, I, I think when Muschamp talked at the early signing day press conference, he talked about some of the needs that they had for this class. And I, I think we all knew defensive back was going to be a big deal, but um, they've talked about possibly wanting to bring another offensive lineman. That's something we sort of tracked for a while there. And uh, they did ultimately decide to use one of those spots on an offensive lineman. Uh, get William Rogers out of Hampton, Georgia, Lovejoy High School. And, um, you know, I, I think just continues the process of Eric Wolford. Um, you know, they're, they're going to take numbers uh, on the offensive line. That like That's their philosophy, I think. They're going to take kids that have athleticism, that can move. And, um, you know, he, he's a, a three-star kid on rivals. But, uh, again, I, I think Eric Wolford has also um, – he, he's got credibility as an evaluator and developer and uh, – you know, from what you know, you picked up, Chris, uh, th- this is a kid that the staff seems pretty high on. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're right, Wes. I mean, offensive line, very difficult position to evaluate. If you just go back and look at the data, you look at a lot of the guys who play in the NFL who are drafted high in the NFL, they're not all five-star guys who had 
40 offers and we're 6'5", 305 coming out of high school. It's actually sort of the opposite. Um, but Wolford has a really good track record. He's a guy that's been in the NFL. Um, his his Really, his one full class at South Carolina the first time around was a really good one. When you're talking about, what, three of the guys in that class made the NFL, that's a pretty good hit rate, um, three out of five or six. So um, you're going to look at that position if you're doing things right to take several in every class if you got the numbers because – um, you're not gonna probably not gonna hit all of them. If you do, then you really got something. Um, but typically, you're not gonna hit all of them. It's a it's a very very developmental position. And so, um, Rogers is look. It's a guy. I think a lot of people got the impression that this was some extreme reach. Number one, South Carolina didn't have to take another offensive lineman in this class. They had four. Um, they could have gone DB. They could have just taken best available player. Which, which was sort of the situation, but, um, you know, they, they really like Rodgers. The guy they had in camp over the summer, uh, he played both ways for Lovejoy, has good defensive line film, good offensive line film, slimmed down a little bit to play his, his uh, senior season, played at, I think, about 305 pounds, 310, something like that, um, and is a guy that can move people and move around. So um, he's he's one of those guys that Wolford likes, um, and, and for whatever reason, he didn't have a ton of offers and down the stretch, you know, he, he elected to prolong his recruitment, and so maybe he didn't have as many options down the stretch, but South Carolina was really one that he wanted, and, and he got it. Let's talk a bit about 2020. Um, that's been the biggest, I guess, change. and It's been coming for, for a long time, but, Chris, this 2020 um, class is, is well underway for South Carolina. Four commitments, but I, I think you can already start to see the potential foundation of this class coming into focus because – They've had so many kids on campus. Um, here we are recording on February 1, you know, the month of January. Um, it was just, you know, kid after kid after kid coming in and, and many of their top targets seeing the football ops building, taking in their junior days. And, um, you know, this past weekend was no different. This coming weekend will be no different. But um, several, and this obviously is not the full list of guys that were on campus, but several of their top targets that I, I think you can uh, very easily say they – they made moves with and in some cases put themselves in the best position with and um you know I, I sort of jotted down some guys that I, I think they um probably feel decent about after this weekend and I, I think for me as far as needs and and guys they really really want and guys they've targeted for a long time uh Tank Bigsby the high four-star running back out of Georgia um has been a huge target a want a need for for some time and for them to get him back on campus. I, I know you talked to him um, earlier this week, Chris, but the, the thing that caught my eye is, okay, he was on campus late in the season for an overnight visit. He was on campus this past weekend for an overnight visit, and I believe is already talking about possibly coming back um, what is now this month in February, and I, I think you have to consider that to be a very good sign for South Carolina, and the feedback from that visit has been extremely positive. Yeah, I mean, uh, T- Tank himself, we interviewed him afterwards. He raved about it. We talked to a lot of people sort of familiar with how that recruitment was going and a lot of buzz going into the visit um, for South Carolina in terms of the chances, and I think uh, the Gamecocks only helped their cause there. Um, <clears throat> I was always a, a little bit skeptical that he could maybe earn the proce- in the process rather early, um, as in last time he visited, simply because – you know, he's a guy that has been narrowing his list behind the scenes to seven. He's really down to five now that he may release sometime soon. 
but just hasn't even done that yet. So I was sort of curious, hey, is he going to take some more visits? Is he going to go a little bit longer? But there's no doubt he's going to be committed by July. I think it'll probably be earlier. Um, all indications are if things continue progressing. And South Carolina's got a really good shot. I mean, Bobby Bentley did a really good job laying the groundwork, laying the foundation there, had Carolina in pretty good shape, I think. And then Thomas Brown, new running backs coach, has taken over the recruitment and and, and really hit the ground running, done a, done a good job there as well. And I think you make a good point. Um, the the fact of the matter is that um, Thomas Brown, especially if South Carolina lands him, is going to get a ton of credit, and, and rightfully so. You, you look at the guys that Brown has had rolling through campus in basically his first month on the job. It's very, very impressive. So I'm, I'm not in any way trying to take away from that at all. But um, I think it is important to remember the job that Bentley has done with Tank, with his family, leading into where things are now to put South Carolina in the position uh, where he has that comfort level there. And, uh, you know, they, they've been working this kid really, really hard for, for a long time. So uh, Brown is certainly going to help, but um, it's really been a team effort, I think, uh, for South Carolina with Muschamp heavily involved um, with almost all their top targets as well. So um, I, I think that is an excellent point. Um, a, a kid that's sort of um, – the, the opposite in Desmond Tisdall a little bit in that it's a newer offer for South Carolina, but they also, I think, position themselves very, very well for this weekend. Um, kid out of Rochelle, Georgia, Wilcox County High. But uh, I, I went ahead and put in my, my forecast prediction for South Carolina. Um, that may have potentially been a bit uh, premature looking at how things are going the rest of this week because – uh, you know, Tisdall himself, after the visit, was talking about, hey, you know, a commitment could come in the next um, couple of weeks. And I, I think South Carolina was in outstanding position. They got in on him early. But now you look, Chris, I, and I think we knew this was going to happen. You watch the film of Desmond Tisdall, and you're like, this is a big-time player. Uh, does not match his offer list, um, or really his ranking did not match the film yet. But we're starting to see that Auburn coming in this week for – an offer. Purdue offered him. Uh, Florida offered him. And uh, I think many, many more to come for Desmond Tizzle. But that's going to be a very interesting recruitment to see play out. And I, I think you watch the film, though, dude. It's just this kid's a great fit for South Carolina. He's hard nosed. He plays multiple positions. Um, re- really a pretty good running back as well. He's actually listed as a running back on Rivals, but um, to me, is a hard hitting linebacker type for South Carolina in their scheme. But um, could help you on special teams, uh, covering kicks and punts as well. And um, I, I think, I mean, for me, this kid quickly became, uh, you know, a guy that I could see being a priority for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, he he really fits everything, like you said. I mean, he can he could play multiple linebacker positions. He moves extremely well, plays running backs. He's got really adequate, very good athleticism, no doubt about it. Um, you know, the, the shocker, the biggest upset for me of the week, Wes, is Tennessee, I don't think, is offered yet. Um, yeah. Are you and pretty I, shocked by that? Well, I, I'm, I believe I made a bet on the board that Tennessee would have offered within the next week. So I'm, uh, I think I'm about halfway there from when I said that. That, uh, you know, if we were putting Vegas odds on that, um, I would have said that was a pretty safe bet. Oh, no, there's no doubt about it. You remember last, last year we went to, uh, 
Carolina's camp and were joking with some people there that it was like the Tennessee Michigan satellite camp. Yeah. Even though none of their coaches were there. Yeah. Um. There's no doubt. Hopefully, no Michigan or uh, Tennessee fans are listening. They're gonna be a little upset with us. Well, they they're already on uh, Rob Gregory, our buddy who uh, does videos <laughs> for the site. So That's right. If if they if they happen, first of all, if you're listening, thanks for listening, Tennessee fans. But if uh, if they're on if they're on us, they they come at you vicious. But they do. Um. But yeah, I mean. They really, especially defensive guys, Tennessee does. I mean, it's too much to be a coincidence, I think. Um, they very clearly pay attention to who South Carolina and Muschamp and those guys offer on the defensive side. And Tisdall, another example of a kid that um, South Carolina is in on early and has been able to sort of uh, make a little bit of a move with. And now you're seeing the offer list start to blow up. Um, let's see. Let's get through some of these guys. Don Chaney, running back. Uh, I think for most of the process, Chris, you're way closer to this one than me. Um, w- was Miami not sort of like considered to be a bit of the favorite yeah. before Thomas Brown gets the South Carolina job? They get him on campus and some South Carolina connections here as well. Yeah, I mean, a, a Miami kid um, and the hometown school, Miami, Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown's done, he did a great job getting in early with Cheney and his father, who, uh, as you alluded to, played college football with at South Carolina. Uh, he was a teammate of Steve Tannehill. He was on the, the 1992 team, I believe. And so um, it was only natural that, you know, Bobby Bentley was a guy that, you know, had, had given Chaney a look, of course. But uh, once Thomas Brown got to South Carolina, it's sort of a natural course of action that he was going to, you know, really sort of make a play for him. And the relationships there are great. It didn't take long to get him on campus. Had a really, really good trip. You know, we talked to him, had a recap interview on Gamecock Central. He really raved about the visit. Has a great relationship with Brown. Chaney said that, you know, having Brown on campus was going to help South Carolina's chances with him. Um, his father got to get back on campus, too, and sort of see what things look like in Columbia now, reconnect with some people. He connected with Tanny Hill while he was in Columbia. So I think it went pretty well for Carolina. And I think um, right now, if you had to handicap it, I think Carolina's in a decent spot uh, for Chaney as well. And again, like we've said many, many times, landing a big time back uh, or landing two big time backs, uh, if uh, fate would have it, uh, I think a big priority for South Carolina in this class. Um, let's see. Let, let's talk about Zevion Capers a little bit um, because I, I think this is a kid to to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. South Carolina um, really, I think, made a big move with him this weekend as he was on campus, and uh, for the longest time, a, a Clemson lean. Um, and I think a situation where South Carolina is going to benefit from Clemson uh, casting a little bit more of a national net. And, you know, this is a kid that uh, – and don't mistake it. He, he's had an offer from Clemson. He, he was a priority for Clemson and uh, did not, you know, pull the trigger on an early commitment to Clemson. And uh, that could play in South Carolina's favor. Um, you know, name the Gamecocks as his leader. And uh, I think it uh, sounds like actually could be closing in on a potential early commitment, uh, Chris. Yeah, I mean, uh, Capers is a guy that he's always had South Carolina under consideration, you know, the top three, top four, top five. Um, but the the stars have just sort of aligned over time. And, and this happens in recruiting to where, um, you know, you, you just end up with having a good shot at a guy. I mean, you know, Clemson was a school that he liked a lot. Um, but the mutual interest has sort of diminished there. Um, and then South Carolina's always sort of hung around, and they got him to campus for a junior day visit, offered him last summer at camp after he put on a good performance there. I remember watching him in camp. 
last summer, and uh, things have just continued to progress. And now it's a deal where I think he's going to Auburn this weekend. And, um, again, another early uh, commitment candidate. And, and we could be, Wes, seeing a situation where it depends on how things break, but I think South Carolina could have another nice little chunk of the class in place, potentially, if things go well this spring, this summer. Yeah, I think uh, there's no question. And they they have sort of shown – they adjusted, I think, to this early stuff pretty quickly. And uh, the reason I say that is the the spring official visits. You know, I think you look at some schools have sort of – still save their official visits in, in some cases. And some schools have said, hey, we're going to go ahead and bring these kids in and try to close them down. I think you look at the last class, the number of guys that went ahead and took early officials to South Carolina was a pretty high number. And uh, I think we'll probably see some of that just based on um, the push to get these guys on campus in January for unofficials. Um, I, I think we will continue to see that moving forward, especially for the guys that are just sort of already um, – into you know the middle to later stages of their recruiting processes and all already have a bunch of offers and already have taken a bunch of visits you know some guys are in the the Desmond Tisdall uh category where they're sort of just blowing up whereas Caper Capers is a kid that's had offers for for a long time uh mm-hmm. to be a 2020 kid so he's already taken a bunch of visits he's already seen a bunch of schools and for a lot of those guys um it, it gets exhausting I mean it, it can wear them down so um, seems that a lot of them are ready to just get it over with, and South Carolina is more than happy to go ahead and uh, take his commitment, I think. Let's uh, move it forward to this coming weekend, more 2020s and 2021s on campus. Um, I know, Chris, you had a, had a list there posted on Gamecock Central. Uh, by the way, shameless plug, if you're listening to this and you're not a subscriber, we want you to subscribe. Um, so uh, go check us out on Gamecock Central. We'll have complete coverage this weekend of South Carolina's third junior day in a row and uh, we, we got some big news Adam Friedman delivering in that DeMatha High School five-star running back Marshawn Lloyd will be on campus this Saturday uh, DeMatha is in Hyattsville Maryland and uh, watch some film on this kid Chris a dynamic football player uh, he's a five-star kid like I said and uh, again this this one goes back to Thomas Brown um, basically he said not very familiar with South Carolina but uh, Thomas Brown gets the job. Thomas Brown already had him interested in Miami, and uh, he's going to give the Gamecocks a shot. And you would have to pretty much, I think, categorize him as a long shot right now. But at the same time, I think we've learned anytime they get these kids on campus, uh, a lot of times the more national-type kids are, even if South Carolina doesn't land them, they're you know, generally kind of genuinely blown away because they don't expect for South Carolina to have the facilities that they do and now we're seeing, um, obviously, with the football ops building, I think the indoor is still one of the nicer ones in the country. Uh, the dorm situation at South Carolina, a lot of these out-of-state kids, to me, Chris, are are sometimes actually surprised at what South Carolina has to offer them. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about, getting guys on campus. And uh, certainly for a running back, you know, South Carolina's got a really good situation in terms of recruiting to sell. You know, you got a new running backs coach and Thomas Brown who has a good pedigree. Um, the, the competition, I mean, it's even, even if they returned, everybody would be wide open, but it's certainly wide open because of the guys that they're losing. Um, and that's why you can go out and sell to one or two backs in this class, really quality backs. The opportunity for playing time is pretty obvious uh, to go play college football in the SEC and maybe go split carries with another big-time guy. 
And then again, like you said, the, the facilities are, are as good as they've ever been at South Carolina and would rival really anywhere in the country right now. So they have some momentum in that regard. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what Lloyd thinks when he leaves. Now, like you said, Wes, a little bit of a longer shot right now. have to see how things go. Uh, they can make a move. I think, you know, right now, places he's been, Georgia, Clemson, Penn State, those stand out a little bit more. The, the one I think will be interesting to watch is Maryland as time goes on. Mm-hmm. He's a Maryland kid. Uh, being from DeMatha High, their head coach, Elijah Brooks, got hired to Mike Lockley, Loxley's staff um, to coach running backs. So I certainly yeah. think that's going to be a storyline <laughs> to, to watch here in the future. Um, and I think Maryland will eventually make an ascension. I'm, I'm not saying they'll definitely get the kid, but they'll, they'll be in that mix uh, before all is said and done. And uh, for those listening, you, you are allowed to do that because he's the running backs coach. Um Yep. You know, there are NCAA limitations in place where they couldn't have hired him to be a, quote, off-the-field coach, um, you know, within a certain period of time. But uh, because he's a true on-the-field assistant coach, they can bring him in and uh, still recruit um, the five-star back or, or anybody, really anybody that that coach was involved with. Uh, and it, it is really an, another impressive list, uh, Chris. I, you know, I'm looking at it now. Um, a guy I'm very intrigued by um, as far as the wide receiver board goes and if South Carolina can make a move here is a Justin Robinson from uh, McDonough, Georgia. I, I think a kid that's sort of blown up lately as a future four-star guy. Uh, Jari Patterson, who is actually from uh, Rico um, Daddles High School and you know was friends with him. Uh, that, that'll be an interesting visit there. Miles Murphy, a, a big-time defensive end prospect from the state of North Carolina that will get his look at the program and um, several off, or, you know, offensive line guys that uh, could potentially be on campus as well. I, uh, I think you look at the, the last three weekends, um, you've seen a manageable number of prospects brought in each weekend, but also uh, some big names. And, and Chris, this one is, uh, is no different. Is, is there anybody on this list? And we've got the full list on the Insider Forum if you want to check it out on Gamecock Central. Is there anybody or a couple of guys on this list you're most intrigued by seeing how this weekend goes? There, there are a few guys that would fall into that category. I think, uh, you know, Miles Murphy is one, four-star defensive lineman out of North Carolina is certainly one. Um, Demarcus Beckwith, uh, who's an athlete out of Alabama who's really gaining some traction and is a, just an incredible athlete who could do a lot of different things for you. Uh, so he's one. Robinson, like you mentioned. Uh, Broderick Jones, who's a Georgia offensive lineman commitment from Georgia, um, is, is on campus, which has sort of been playing for a little while. So that's another one. Um, I think, you know, and aside from Lloyd, there are others as well um, that are intriguing, but th- those really stand out as guys that I think, you know, South Carolina can make a big move with or just temperature check, sort of see if there's long-term staying power, mutual interest on both sides. Yeah, a couple of um... – in-state guys that uh, or a few in-state guys that maybe we haven't talked about a ton as far as South Carolina is concerned, but um, the DB out of Malden and Andrew Phillips uh, is expected in, and then uh, the twins out of Blythewood, uh, Joshua Burrell and Jordan Burrell, um, and uh, some guys coming in from the 2021 20, class from North Carolina, from Hunter Huss, uh, from Winston-Salem Prep. Uh, so, it, like I said, it's, it's a nice list, and even uh, even the 2022 guy on there as well which that that makes me feel pretty old very very old yeah i don't even think i'm that old but that that will make you feel old that they're recruiting someone 
from the 2022 class. So uh, it, it'll be another interesting weekend, and we'll have plenty on that on Gamecock Central um, throughout Saturday and then Sunday, of course. And hopefully, hopefully, we will have all of our interviews done before the Super Bowl on Sunday. And if we're going to do a football show, I know we've been football recruiting focused, but we got to talk about the Super Bowl. Patriots, Rams, 6.30, CBS. Um, what, what, are you, what are you most are – you, are you excited, first of all? Are you excited for the Super Bowl, Chris? Do you get excited for the Super Bowl, or is it more to, – to me, I'll be honest, the Super Bowl each year, unless my team is in it, which I know we both pull for the Panthers, <laughs> they were not a contender this year, no. obviously. Um, I almost – and as a football fan – it might be weird for me to say this, but I get more excited about the um, the spectacle of the whole thing as I just as excited I should say as I do about the actual game. I mean, I'm going to watch the game, I'm going to watch every play, but uh, the Super Bowl is more of a social viewing experience in America. I feel like than just a football game. So yeah, it, it'll be exciting, but. Um, I'm I'm more I'm just excited for the food I'm gonna eat, uh, for the commercials we'll be talking about, and uh, for the potentially bad calls that will be talked about um, as they have been after every playoff game. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping there's just no bad, really egregiously bad calls to overshadow <laughs> everything. That's not, no, I, I do I enjoy the spectacle of it and and the uh, the fellowship with friends. Going to be eating some good food, I'm sure. Um, all that is cool, but no, I, I really am looking forward to. Actually, I'm looking forward to this game a little bit more than I have the past few. I don't know why. I think just, you know, Belichick versus McVay, um, that whole deal, just seeing if the Patriots can get it done again. Be hard to bet against them, honestly, um, just with, with their pedigree and what they've done in big game situations. But I, I'm really intrigued by Sean McVay and the Rams, Jerry Goff, Aaron Donald, all these guys. Really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, it should be fun. And uh, I, I got to say, dude, I'm a Tony Romo fan on the call. Oh, yeah, um, big time. You know, I saw some somebody put it together. I can't remember. I would give credit, but I can't remember who did it. Um, but they were talking about the percentage that Tony Romo has been correct in his um, play calling, basically, from the booth. And I, I think it was 68% this year that he uh, that he called the play correctly before it was run. And, uh, you know, I think he's done a great job. You look last week, he does a good job viewing the game from a quarterback's lens and then passing it on to us from a broadcast perspective. And, uh, I mean, it, now, if if he could call the Patriots plays, surely the Chiefs knew what was coming as well two weeks ago, but um, just obviously couldn't stop it, uh, I think. But, uh, but yeah, Tony has been great. I, I've loved listening to him, and I think he's gotten better each week. Uh, and you know what? You, you have some Gamecock uh, connections to – this uh, game as well, uh, Stefan Gilmore, obviously playing for the Patriots, and uh, Joey Blake, former Gamecock nutritionist, is the That's nutritionist right. for Sean McVay in St. Louis. So you, you got a Gamecock uh, on, on each side of this thing this weekend that'll be trying to get a ring, and uh, and obviously it'd be a little bittersweet. But I mean, Pharaoh Cooper, if the Rams win, he he gets a ring as well, right? Isn't that how it works? He does. We're saying yes. He does. Um, sure. If you're involved with the team, if you play on the team that year, you you get a ring. So, um, you know, Pharaoh spent a good portion of the year with the Rams before he was let go. 
Uh, but, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see what can Sean McVay come up with with a full two weeks because uh, this guy is uh, he's the, the hottest thing in coaching right now. Um, every other franchise is trying to find the next Sean McVay and copy the, you know, the whole offensive guru um, approach to winning. But, I mean, there's, this guy's special. There are very few Sean McVays out there, and I'm curious to see the veteran – and Belichick, obviously, against the new guy and Sean McVay. I, I got a feeling both sides are going to have something up their sleeve for you know for the other. Yeah, and I love the Sean McVay. Everybody trying to pull off the Sean McVay tree, and I love the jokes. Like I shook hands with Sean McVay. I'm, yeah. I'm getting an interview for a head coaching job now. <laughs> it's really awesome. But yeah, I mean, in a way, it's like you know the is there like a torch passing? I mean, it doesn't look like Belichick's done or anything. But if if McVay can win this one. And then the Rams can go on to win, you know, a couple more at some point. Yeah, um, he's a hot coach right now, no doubt about it. But but this could really be a big step towards solidifying that status. Yeah, and you know, all the talk two weeks ago was about the passing of the torch from Brady to Patrick Mahomes, and yep. uh, Brady had other things in mind. So uh, so we'll see if that's the case on Saturday. Well, okay, so Maroon Five halftime show. Um, are you are you for that or against that? <laughs> I haven't even thought about it. You know, I, I think I'm against the newer version of Maroon 5. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, they've gone a little bit too uh, commercialized Yeah, for me. Have I told – I might have told you this story. Uh, just, I love a good story. Just talking. But I have a Maroon 5 story out of all random things. Really? But, yes. Okay. So, uh, I'm at an Incubus concert. Uh, I think my senior year of high school in Charlotte, it was the it was called the Cricket Arena then. Twenty five bucks for an Incubus concert. It used to be like my favorite band in high school, and so we're standing outside the arena in line, uh, waiting to get in. And these people come by, handing out these uh, these demo CDs, like four. You know, it's an actual CD, but like four tracks on it, four or six tracks. They're handing them out. Hey guys, check out this new band. It was Maroon Five. And so, I mean, nobody had ever heard of them. They were completely, um, you know, just off the radar. But yeah. I, I, I still have that CD somewhere. Maybe have it pocket? back home. And it's not in my pocket. Um, we won't play it yeah. or anything like that. Um, I'll give it to Pearson. He can use it for bumper music. So you knew of Maroon 5 before they I, were, I did. And, you know, then they, they, they cool. eventually resurfaced, you know, or they actually surfaced, like, yeah. I, I guess, like, like a couple years later. And I was like, man, that's that band. So I don't know. And now they're like one of the biggest bands in the world. So I just thought that was pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, now they are the Super Bowl halftime yes. show, which has been uh, heavily scrutinized, I believe. But you, I mean, you can't please every, every, it doesn't matter who you pick. You're not going to please everybody with your Super Bowl halftime decision. <laughs> who was the, where did Imagine Dragons play recently? Was that the, that was a college football championship. Dude, let me say, I mean, I, I wanted to go see them uh, when they came to Columbia and didn't get to do I, it. I like Imagine Dragons. They were brutal, though. Yeah, they were, but I like and apparently, I like their music. Dude, yeah. they're being, I don't know, maybe we are just old, man. They're being compared on Twitter to, like, Nickelback, and, like, they're in that stage of their career now where <sighs> people are just, hate, like, hate them. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I like Imagine Dragons. I I I listen like I feel like they have good workout music too. Like they do, it's a good workout. But and their songs do all sound the same. They they do, and but they're they're entertaining. You know, yes. um, I think I wouldn't go Nickelback. <laughs> I wouldn't go. That <laughs> I mean, that's far. harsh, right? Well, Nickelback, 
you know, like Nickelback's first CD was actually a really good CD, and then they just went, they just lost it. You know, they just went over the top, commercialized and everything. And and their lead singer admitted it. Um, but yeah, they were just they were so bad in that performance. It really sort of turned me off turned a little off, bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, if if people can't perform live, it always turns me off a little bit. Yeah, and what once the thing about that stuff is though, once like once socially people have decided they're against you. It's it's hard to come back. Like that's just, true. When the like when everybody just sort of when it becomes cool to hate on a band, oh, it's but it's, but they'll still sell a lot of records, right? Even with oh, the hate, yeah. like Nickelback does. Yeah, yeah. I like. I mean, I'm about to get tweets. Oh, but wait a minute. I, no, I, I like some Nickelback songs. Oh like, boy, I couldn't name go. them for you. You you go. said you liked their old stuff too. The so. old stuff that was when I was like in high school. Yeah, I mean, I don't, that I don't, was an album that like nobody. I can't even remember the name of it. I don't think anybody could even name it. Yeah. Um, and, and they had one, I think they had one song called Leader of Men, I think, that was like a, a sort of pseudo hit from that album. Yeah. I, I think I know that song. That was anyway, a good song. Anyway, we are drifting, <laughs> we are drifting off course here, but, um, I, I guess we should wrap it up, but, um, before, probably before we talk to y'all again, we, we may, we may do a show maybe Monday or Tuesday leading into signing day, depending on what, uh, our buddy Pearson is up to as well. But if not, uh, we'll have complete coverage um, on Wednesday for National Signing Day, and we'll have complete coverage this weekend for the uh, the Junior Day, and and then, um, dude, after that, believe it or not, it's, I mean, we'll be talking about spring practice. So time yeah, flies; it never really ends. Uh, and we'll, we'll probably have we'll have to get Colin Taylor in here on our on our podcast at some point to talk some Carolina baseball because uh, baseball is on the horizon. I'm a huge baseball fan too, so I'm I'm excited for baseball to be back here shortly. Uh, doesn't feel feel like it outside, but um, baseball season is on the way. So that's gonna do it. Uh, he is Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. This has been another Carolina podcast. Uh, check us out um, on GamecockCentral.com, and if you're not subscribing already, then subscribe and check us out. We'll be back next time on the another Carolina podcast. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-8.
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.